Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Team Never Quit podcast is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Partner up with Navy Federal to pay down credit card debt. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. I had an event in Afghanistan that challenged me morally. I was directly responsible for the death of some young children. Of all the things I had done overseas and all like that part of things that I'd seen, that was really rough. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. Remember guys, make sure to check out our social media pages at Team Never Quit, where you'll find all our latest news, see special updates, and for our Patreon subscribers, some pretty sweet exclusive drops coming soon. And most importantly, please don't forget to show your love and support and hit that subscribe button. Just one click goes a long, long way. We are so excited for this show. Today, we have on Brian Ray. Let's kick this off with our Patreon question of the day, which is, what things creep you out the most? It's a good question. I didn't, you kind of, like with us, stuff will give you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. And then there's, and I didn't really know what that meant until it happened to me. Yeah. So when someone sings to me, it freaks me the fuck out. Like directly, to directly you? to me. Like, like how at often me does that happen? It's like, I, it happens, right? Really? It does. No, it, it, it happens. That's my point. It's like yeah. it, it had never happened before, so I didn't know what to do about it. And like one person like came up and wrapped their arms around me while they were singing to me, and my body started doing this. What? The? Whoa! I didn't. I would have never thought, but now that's my, my, my one of mine. Like, yeah, I didn't. It's kind of like, man, it just made me feel. I don't know. So it's I guess that's how you know. Multiple you know. people, though, it's not just one yeah, person. And I think it's maybe like this is Marcus's stage, and at this stage in his life, he is. It's what a dude sings to me. He's more welcoming. Yeah, I that's think. a bizarre thing. It is right. Yeah, like I remember singing with you or singing amongst <laughs> you, but right. to you coming up singing I've to never, me? I was like, I've never like... been sung to. Maybe my daughter. Maybe like <laughs> Happy Birthday might be like the limit. Let's go ahead and put that in the wind. So I'll be walking through town one day and be like, "Hello." You know, so... <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that now. Yeah, I'm gonna remember. It's that like, oh, the, oh, there's a freaking. <laughs> I hate oh. being pranked. That's what freaks me out. And my mm. kids love to prank me. Last night, they're just getting good at this. Addie <laughs> was standing behind the bedroom door. I went to get her clothes for today uh, to prep her, 
And I walk in, all the lights are off, and she's hiding behind the door with that scary Donald Trump mask. I don't know where she got it, but there's one that's like a Halloween mask that looks super freaky, like a a waxy Mm -hmm. mask. And she jumps out from behind the door and screams at me with that. And I had scissors in my hand, and I almost stabbed her. Stabbed in the leg. Don't ever do that again. Don't do that. There's consequences to that. Yeah. Do not freaking scare me. I don't think you're supposed to scare me. I did that behind the door thing on my mother one time, and she whipped our ass. She whipped my brother just for thinking about it. Yeah, I can see that. I, I should have whipped her, but I hate it. Pranks freak me the F out. I wow. hate being pranked. And my kids know it, and they love it, and they use it on me. Jeez. So that's mine. It's the best thing to do. Because you get scared so easily. (laughs) I get scared so easy. And I'm a freezer. I'm like the the flight person. I'm not a... Actually, not even flight. I'm a freeze. Yeah. That is one of the... It should be one of the... Yeah, because that is a thing. Yeah, Yeah. I don't run and I don't fight back. I'm just like a... (gasps) Everything (laughs) is taken out of me and I'm like... Even in the... Sometimes he'll come home in the middle of the night from work or whatever and he'll kiss me like peck me on the head and i'm like <gasps> just do this oh no the worst is driving down the freeway or somewhere and she'll look she's looking somewhere else and she'll see something she'll reach over and do the claw thing into my shoulder and, yeah. it, and freak out kind of freeze it, it doesn't let go and i don't you know i'm over just minding my own thing right? and ah oh, dude it's always when it so for all you guys out there don't know that that's an actual thing yeah it's yeah. a deep they shut down and they can't they can't do anything they're it's not like trying the to piss you gets, off or anything. They just don't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. Like the life is sucked out of me in that moment. I'm like. <laughs> yeah. Your spirit left. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Your spirit quit and uh, the only thing it. left. Wow. And yeah. thank God I'm married to you because I, I'm helpless when it comes to. <laughs> if anybody scares me, I'm just a shut down. Wow. Hunter, what about you? What freaks you out? You know, so I, I don't get freaked out too easily. I'm great with uh, young, with wait. heights and uh, kind of just animals and all that. I kind of just enjoy the adrenaline. But one thing that has freaked me out a whole lot is uh, going up to the top top row of uh, bungee jumping and just looking down in that first little jump off. That was probably one of the scariest, freakiest moments of my life. Well, you also did the highest bungee jump in the world. That hey, is true. In this family... Yeah. Go big or go home, right, son? <laughs> yeah. You were in New Zealand and you did like the highest thing next to a freaking cliff. I, as his mother, I'm standing on she the opposite him. side. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. That's for all the pranks. That's it. I was That's right. yeah. uh-huh, <laughs> It was so scary. No, so I mean, it was awesome. I can see how that freaked you out. Yeah. John? When the kids get quiet. That mm. is freaky. When the little ones are playing and you hear that little chuckle and then all of a sudden nothing, you're like, That oh, is weird. Yeah. Something has happened. Yeah. And sometimes they're just playing quietly, but sometimes they're coloring on the wall. I feel like that's or... more of a defensive spider sense. Yeah. yeah. Then you're then freaking. Something. Yeah. I yeah, know we've had that. Right Especially that. in like a house of chaos when it's quiet. I know yeah, me and my wife like, have looked and been like, Something is wrong. Because <laughs> on the other end doing? of that, they're waiting to hear if you heard. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right? That's probably what's going on. for the footsteps. <laughs> what, yeah. what broke? What did yeah. you... Yeah. yeah. Man, you think they heard that? <laughs> yeah. So we've got a great guest for you guys today. Uh, retiring Special Forces Officer Brian Ray has had a long and successful military career where his last duty station found him at Fort Carson, Colorado, 
where he took part in running the Mountain Warfare School. His services has led to some emotional struggles, and today we will talk about what his journey to healing looks like. Brian is currently starting his post-military career with a company called Health Via Modern Nutrition, or HVMN. They have released a ketone supplement called Ketone IQ that is proven to help improve the cognitive and physical performance. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for the warm intro and the warm welcome. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Yeah, brother. All right. Let's back it up a little bit. All right. You said you were born in Womack and your dad was going through the Q course. So we're, you yeah. were, tell us where you come from. Yeah. So tell me uh, about your people. Yeah. So my people. And also, I was, uh, I guess, my family, my mom was kind of a vagabond back in the day. And uh, I was born uh, at Womack in Bragg. I'm sure many people are familiar with that place. And uh, while my dad was going through the Q course, um, not long after there, uh, they split different directions. My dad went on to continue his career, and I moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, amongst the Amish community. And How's that? I mean, I thought it was cool. I loved it. I was, Is it? It's cool, right? Yeah. No, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I wasn't living as an Amish, but no, I no, was in but Amish around, town. But around yeah. them, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not exactly. a mystery surrounding Yeah. Them. Yeah, it, I but mean, it's, the one it, TV show they yeah. got is about their mafia. The Amish mafia, yeah. I, I think mean, that was how that great was that? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Who so, knew? Yeah, so like horse and horse and buggy, like was like a normal thing. Oh, like, you know. some of the best Instagrams are when I have those a funny Amish story guys get into. Yeah. Marcus, we had a Patriot tour in. Uh, is Harrisburg like an hour from there? Or something yeah, it's like not that, that far okay. from there. Yeah. So we had a, a Patriot tour in Harrisburg. And I wanted to see an Amish family. It was just on like my list of things to get like a picture of, like yeah. family and a horse and buggy. And I made Marcus, we rented a car for this, drove to Lancaster. We were to, looking for him like I needed to, to bring him home. <laughs> that kind of, she's like, I, I need to see this, my own two eyes. Just, we're bringing him home. Yeah. You hear about it. Yeah. And I just, in the South, you don't see that. And so I just really wanted to see it. I wasn't going to do anything i just wanted, hurt anybody I, yeah. I just wanted to see yeah that. it's different it's very yeah. in this society it's a very different thing to see yeah know? so we go driving could not find any amish wow I even, cold though wasn't it what no was it was like normal it was summer and right. i googled um like amish restaurants or amish you know yeah, trying you to google, like google how do i find where are the amish? yeah so google I, maps like where we look I, up a restaurant <laughs> That said it was an Amish restaurant. There was no like visible Amish people there. They weren't dressed in what you would think they she would got be. Pissed. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you wanted the hardcore stuff. I wanted That's to right. see like a horse and buggy. And yeah. so we drove around for hours. We saw lots of covered bridges and really pretty scenic, you know, farmhouse type things, but we never saw an Amish until we were going to the airport. And I'm in the airport. We're leaving, yeah. and there were two Amish dudes in the airport. I'm like, okay, there you we got go. it. A we literally bit. drove around yeah. Lancaster. They're waiting on us. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because my my mom and my uncle that she told me what they used to do as kids because they lived in that area is they would dress up like Amish and charge tourists to take pictures with them <laughs> <laughs> as a racket because people want to come see the Amish. That's ingenuity. Yeah. Yes. So, it's funny you mentioned it because, again, growing up in that, like I was like, why do people want to come see the Amish? Like They're just part of normal life, but I guess... You know, so did the Amish mafia find out about that? I don't know. <laughs> just trying to shake you down for a percentage know, on probably, that, they're probably, they're We just put that out now. there. They yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, we did that. What's yeah. Rumspringer like? You can tell when that's going down? No, I was, I was too young 
living there when that happened. I had I had moved away from Lancaster. Oh, Jack. Uh, before I, I would have understood what was happening. In that right, area. right, right. Yeah. So, so you were, were you with your dad or your mom or? or so was I was both? I was with my I was with my mom for a while, and now I live with my grandma there. So okay. she raised me for quite a bit of time in Lancaster. And y'all are from that area again? Yeah, that's your, where your people are from. That yeah, area? that's where oh, my okay. that's where my uh, my mom's side of the family is. Roger that. Yeah. So so I grew up there for a while, then moved out to Missouri. My my mom had found um, a another guy that she was going to marry, so we moved to St. Louis. Then when I was around 13 or so, I moved to Germany to live with my dad, who I hadn't, like, I didn't know him. I didn't grow up knowing him when I was... At 13? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She said, so do you want to grow up and do you want to go meet your dad? I was like, yeah, I guess that'd be cool. That's how she phrased it? Yeah. Well, pretty much. I was like, yeah, yeah. she was like, okay, you want to live with him? I was like, I don't know. She's like, you're going to move to Germany. I was like, I guess that's cool. You know, like, oh so... Oh, I mean, talk yeah. about that, because that's a big deal, man. You're not just leaving to go down the road. You're going out of country to yeah. stay with your dad, who, so I'd actually, who's a special forces guy. Yeah. But again, like I didn't know anything about what he did except for he was in the army and he moved around a lot because I didn't live with him. Like he, like he didn't grow up as my dad, you know. At the yeah, time, yeah, Rambo was already out on the TV, man. It already was, but even then, like I had uncles who were who were Marines. Oh, so, sure. like, oh so, okay. So yeah. Back it up a little bit. You got a family full of them. Yeah, yeah. My my grandpa, he was a Korean War uh, vet, nice. and my uncles, they were all military. My mom was a linguist. She was MI as a linguist. She spoke Mandarin Chinese, and then she got out for personality disorders or whatever I think she's got. I still wonder if sometimes that's just code for I moved on with like an agency or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's weird. She does weird stuff. You know, she she lives in Uzbekistan now doing stuff. So like. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, Very interesting. Weird family. story. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, so I moved to Germany to live at a small MI base, uh, which was in Bad Ibling, which is in like Bavaria, beautiful country, you know, awesome place. Um, went to an American high or American middle school there before I moved to Colorado Springs in 98. And um, that's where, you know, I went to high school. That's that's where I call home because that's where I've spent the most time. But until that point, I had never been in the same school for more than one year consecutively. Like I moved to a different school every single grade until I got into high school. Yeah, Brett, right, so, Brett life. Yeah, just, but it wasn't, it wasn't army related until I was in middle school though. It was just happened to be that my mom moved around a lot and yeah, we did different things, so. Um, and we just figured out why. Was yeah. your dad, was he like, a good person to live with or was it a yeah, good it was, relationship yeah. what's it, that like over there military wise so that being a small base i don't know it didn't actually wasn't that much different from you know because i was on the economy a lot anyway we didn't live on post you know i only went on post for school but other than that i still went out on the economy for everything so i don't know it was just i guess i was really indifferent to the fact that i was living a military child lifestyle because i got i just didn't feel like it i didn't have a big connection to the military even though like I'd been well our kind of community is cool like that or i say cool like that, different yeah. like that you know, yeah. you don't even know most of the guys are in when they're in, anyways. Yeah, and that's that's what it was like. Like, you know, my dad wouldn't come home, and like we wouldn't talk army stuff, and he never wore a uniform at home. Yeah. So it was just like there is that. Yeah, we so, don't talk about that, and I, I don't ever hear people talking about that. But that is a different type. It's a completely different lifestyle. It's it's not yeah. like being in. It's not. Yeah, it's completely different. You know, he that that life didn't didn't really come home. There was influence to it. And he had pictures on the wall. And I thought it was cool, and we'd go play paintball with, with some of his guys occasionally. So I was, I was definitely intrigued by it. But uh, you know, still got friends over there. When you were a kid? In Germany? No. No, I don't think kid, so. And you run into any of the guys in the military say, man? No. You know, I tell my dad, every now and then my dad will bring him up. Be like, hey, remember this one guy we used to do this? He's working at this freaking, you know, so this T-Sock. Or he's working at this other place. You know, it's cool to see where some of those guys went. But, you know, yeah, I wasn't in the business of collecting friends, I guess, because I was so used to not, like, oh, yeah, carrying them around. Sure. So, you know, I was just like, I had a lot of positive acquaintances growing up. But, like, 
not a lot of people that were just like, yeah, this is my boy. Like we grew up and did everything together. You know, that wasn't until high school started. So yeah, it um, is. Now that you say it like that in the military in the beginning, especially it's tough to make friends. You, you make, you get to know them and you get the ability to work with them. Yeah. And then they usually move us. Yeah. And what's funny is like people are like, oh yeah, you know that guy? Yeah. He's my friend. They're like, When's the last time you talked to him? Oh, I'm probably eight years ago. Yeah. And people don't understand that. I didn't like, even people, know his name. I yeah. just knew his nickname. His yeah. call sign. It's like, I've known guys 20 years. Yeah. They're like, that's your freaking name, man? I didn't even know that. Yeah. But it's funny. Like, looking back, it's like, all these guys are still guys that I could call up, even if I haven't talked to him in a number 100%. of years, at any time and say, hey, man, I need your help. Or if he called me at any time, it doesn't matter if we haven't talked for a decade. Like, they're still friends. So what you is know? that? Well, how did... How did? How about that? Yeah, it's a weird friendship. That's dynamic. a weird dynamic yeah. right there because we cut out all that other stuff that yeah. most people hold on to as friendship. And then yeah. we get right to the. Yeah, I was like, man, I ain't talking to that guy in fifteen whatever years, man. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. So your dad gets transferred to Colorado Springs. Yeah. So. And... Yep. So we moved to Colorado Springs, um, and he just he continued to deploy. My mom moved back with us to co-live. Which I can't, I can't really call it co-living because my dad was gone all the time anyway. So it's not like, you know, they were there together at the same time that often. But she was now, you know, taking care of us in his house until I graduated high school. It's um, even cooler, and, bro, because she got stationed somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And then, got to, then they pulled her back. Yep. I don't know. We'll see. That's, like I said, her story. interesting. Her, yeah, she's been to Ecuador. She's working in Qatar. She, she does a lot of things that make me question, like... It sure doesn't get any more special doing? forces than you, right? Or <laughs> me sitting in this room. And if it does, we know the dude probably, right? We need yeah. to have and your when mom you start hearing on. all those, yeah, where's mom at? Yeah. You park her in here, yeah. man. That's all. When she gets done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't want to burn. I don't burn. De- <laughs> every time she moves somewhere and does something weird, I worry about it on my security clearance. So I'm like, man, is this going to flag me? Because she's working like, I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe she's working the backside of it. Dude, I, I got a badass mom too, man. <laughs> Yeah. Just a, they're great to have. Hey, yeah, mom. it's wild. They're and awesome. A lot of that stuff you don't appreciate till you're older. Though, older, you realize, man. You know, how can was, you? Yeah. How could you possibly appreciate that? I couldn't until yeah. I got older. And, and, and I, I mean, mama's boys, yeah. But you don't know that because they're they're not mean, but they're just awesome. Yeah, they do cool stuff. Yeah, that was that was me with my dad. I was like, it wasn't until I had already been in for a couple years and I'd already done a deployment and all this stuff that I like really started getting closer with him. Cause I realized yeah. what he had been doing the entire time. How about that? You know, whereas before he was just a guy that went on army trips, you yeah. know, all right, see you dad. Yeah. Oh, so okay. what so. made you realize that you wanted to be in the army? Um, I wouldn't say that I ever had like a, a big passion for it. Like I always wanted to do it, but I didn't do well in school. Um, not like not academically, but more so I always felt like I had better things to do. So I skipped a lot of school, um, we were right by the mountains, so I'll go four wheeling. I would just do, do dumb shit, and part of my language. But, uh, because of that, um, I barely graduated, so I knew I wasn't ready for college. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to join the army for a couple years, figure out what I want to do. My was dad, this while you're in, or right, right after you got out of high school. So this was while I was in high school. Yeah. Well, what scratched that? How'd you get that? Because this is what now that we've been out long enough and guys talk about it, yeah. and what most people want is like, man, what was it? There has to be something. I remember what it was for me. It's just like something started scratching that army itch as opposed to the marine. You yeah. had it in your family, well, multiple in your family. Yeah. Actually. Well, I, I, I knew if I was going to go in for the longest time, I wanted to be a marine, and that's just because that's what my. I remember seeing my uncle wearing his uniforms. I'm gonna say it. 
Marines have the best the, looking uniform. I'll, I want to be. A, I think every kid wants to be a Marine. They have a the good looking uniform. Dude. They've I got mean, a great recruiting mentioned, program. I, like it's ridiculous. Like what is like what does the army tell you? They're like, hey, we want you to like just be good, be awesome. Yeah. And the Marines are like, we want to slay dragons. That's right. <laughs> and know? we're gonna so look like, good doing it. it Navy's to, gonna like, stick your ass in a submarine and throw you under the water. Yeah. I mean, they had it's good, gonna be they had good. Good hard music. They had a good message. What the hell? Yeah. So Marines like for the longest time I was like Marines. You know. But uh, I, I think my dad had just enough influence before, you know, uh, I made the that. decision yeah. that I was like, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an army guy. His only advice was, hey, don't, don't be a leg. That's it. And I was like, all right, that's fair. So, What's that mean? Uh, a non-airborne guy. Okay. Yeah. You don't got any wings. Yeah. Okay. Ground, so, you're just on the ground. Yeah. So you're a leg, you know, kind of a derogatory Trust me, there's a, kind of it, like, <laughs> it's a great term. There's a bunch yeah. of terms we got for that stuff. There's yeah. a term for everything in there so you know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's that's how that works. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so he said, just don't be a leg. I was like, all right, I won't be a leg. So I joined up as, a, as an airborne infantry guy. And I was like, all right, I'll do a couple years, see if I like it. And if not, I guess I'll get out, do college, I guess. But still, I didn't have a, a desire to get a degree. I didn't care what I would have done. So... Um, that was it. I joined up as a unassigned airborne infantry guy, and I ended up at Fort Polk, Louisiana, mm. so the oh, first duty station. I drive by there at least All the time. once a nice month. Dip, really? Yeah, my grandparents live like an hour from there. That's so. back roads oh. for me, man. I go through there just for the scenery. Yeah. We, we the way we go from here, we drive right in front of it. Wow. You know, it's funny. People always when they when they hear that, like, oh, that place sucks. Absolutely, like, whatever. But I actually really enjoyed it. Like, I already like. I loved. I already loved everything about the South. I loved Cajun food. Mm -hmm. I loved the hospital. Like I already liked it. Yeah. You know, especially like being a single guy. Like I didn't care mm. what it was like there. Like you anybody know, says they don't like it, they don't know what they're in. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the problem. Yeah, like I thought it was great. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time growing up in um, uh, a place called Dauphin Island, just south of Mobile in Alabama. So like I always liked when I was down there. I liked everything about the culture and everything. So um, I was excited. It was a great duty station. The unit was awesome. Um, Who'd you start yeah. with? So it was the first of 509th, I'm sorry. which is an op four unit. So when guys do their training rotations, oh, I know, I've been there. I've yeah. talked to them. Yeah. So yeah, the, the Geronimos, you know, they're the bad guys. I know exactly who they are. Yep. And, so and, and they said the same thing. As a matter of fact, since you brought it up, man, I climbed in their ass about that. I yeah. was like, some of you guys don't appreciate where you're. I was like, we giving you carte blanche. Yeah. To beat the dog piss <laughs> yeah. out of everybody. Yeah. Where do you think we're gonna put you? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you know what I'm talking about? That's, yeah. It's a <laughs> you great, were there? Yeah, it was a great place. Hell and, yeah, man. honestly, the unit, it's, I, I'm not sure like I realize like internally what the unit is. Like it's an, it's an airborne infantry unit, a straight up normal infantry battalion with a specialized mission to train these guys, but it's you're gym, still man. a real unit. So like the ability to train as a bad guy to fight the good guys about that? is extremely eye-opening. The, like okay, so my opinion, our perspective now, yeah. they're the most highly trained unit we got. Dude, you all the, it's like yeah. those Air, Air Force bubbles that fly the the the, the helicopters all the time because they got nothing else to do. They're, they're yeah. the spare man. Those are the ones you want. They're the ones that came and got me. Yeah, I mean because that's all they do. Yep. So you're either training to be a good guy in regular infantry tactics, or you are acting as a bad guy and you're learning guerrilla warfare. You're learning like. And it wasn't cheesy stuff. Like if you were gonna put it's in not. an IED, yeah, man. you had to put in an IED. You yeah. had to pickaxe a road and put a real one in, and you had to tie the deck. You had to tie everything correctly and have it inspected for them to allow you to use it against, you know, whoever was training there. So like, you felt what it was like to be sitting there watching a convoy go by, you know, like 
about you, you feel all that it stuff. is so I, I thought honestly it was a really great starting point i tried to tell them know? that too man yeah i, I, I did I he like, went you, and spoke to them a few years ago uh as like a like no one knows you're here yeah the geronimo most great. people try to avoid the yeah. damn geronimos man you hear yeah. that freaking what are you thinking <laughs> oh dude every time every time i see the little logo every now and then Holy i'll see God, it on somebody's shirt and i'm like you were a geronimo yeah so super cool unit um i actually didn't think i was going to deploy from there because it was such a training unit but right around that time this was 2003 um they said hey well, you're going to go support 10th mountain uh you are now back to regular infantry you're yeah. going to iraq you know it was about a 30-day lead time and that was it yeah we were there you know couple months after I got there so um, that was deployment number one I, I just turned 18 so oh wow rock and roll so. oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. oh good for you man they threw you right in huh? right in yeah it was like it wasn't OIF one it was like OIF one and a half yeah so like we still weren't flying in so we still all so when infantry guys came in they would go into Kuwait I mean, a lot of guys been to Camp Buring you know just freaking desert I did the same yeah, same thing we do yeah so we go there, and then we would escort the vehicles up to Baghdad, and that's how we, our infill was to escort a convoy in. That's how we got in. Yeah. So, funny story. Obviously, we're going in, and I was the RTO, and I had my lieutenant in the vehicle with me, and he was just super excited, as most young lieutenants are. Like, we're going to go change the world. We're going to whatever. And even like... That's a real thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, bro, that, that, that's a real thing. When I saw that, I was yeah. like, what is that? Yeah. I'm like, man. Like, there's a gun. And I wasn't like... Comes over, I, was probably, man. I was still here younger than him, but I was, I was a rifleman, and I was just like, dude, we're going to freaking get down out What's here. up? Like, I was excited <laughs> about the fight, and this guy's like, man, we're going to like... Hearts and minds. And I was like, that's cool, man. And I remember... Probably still one of the funniest things I'd ever seen that just smashed that dream is you know you know the water bottles over there they're not they're not normal they're like one and a half Two. liter water bottles and we're passing these people on the side of the road who would stand there families just looking desolate like they need and he was like I'm gonna give these next people we see some water I was like all right cool man so we're driving by and he takes this thing of water hucks it out the window and it explodes Close. all over these people like runs them over and like and he just like drills these people yeah, yeah. with these water bottle in his attempt to show compassion Passion. and it was just like i don't think there was a word said i think he just looked right back forward and just sat there quietly and i was like wow it's one of those this is what perfect. you think expectations as opposed to reality yeah. right i was like i want to hear their story when i was a kid i got drilled, drilled by a by water heart. bottle you know, yeah. So I just thought that was a great start. We, so. we saw, uh, I saw one time we were, they were driving through and wanted to throw out a bunch of candy, mm -hmm. a bunch of kids around, and yeah. they flooded to the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? While the traffic was going. Oh, yeah. That's dangerous stuff. So, well, sure. But they didn't think like that. Young was like, oh, I was just trying to give them some freaking candy. I'm like, yeah. oh, I get what she's trying to no, do. I man. know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like kids. I like, yeah, I like, I like all yeah. this stuff. You know, that's cool. I understand. I want to throw some candy out, but. Sure. Dude. But from the other side of that, it's. And we didn't know any of that. As kids, man, we don't expect that. We didn't get that training. No. No. That's the one thing that, the, looking back on it, I was like, man, the culture thing was a a, a big one. Yeah. But it's probably, probably most, one of the most rewarding parts of it, though, even in all the places I've gone, is just seeing the culture of the people who live there and just seeing, like, people have it a lot harder than we do in this country mm. in most places. And it's great to see how people can still be happy and they can still love their family. Like, I don't know, man. It's, it's different perspective. So, like, even in a place that's, like, torn constantly by war, like, you can still be happy with what minimal things you have. So yeah. that's why it's, like, it's easy to be, like, dude, what are you complaining about, man? Like, we've got a lot of opportunity here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, that was, that, was, uh, that was number one. Um, 
as a regular infantry guy. And that was my only infantry deployment. The rest of that were all, were all uh, under group. So when you went there, is that when you decided you wanted to go into special forces? Yeah, or? that confirmed it. I already had an idea that I wanted to do it, especially because my dad had already been there. Who in there pushed you that way then? There's got to be somebody, right? It was seeing team guys on deployment. Like, well, that helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when you're like doing bullshit. Bro. Yeah. If they videoed that and just sent that back, yeah. we wouldn't have, there wouldn't be a, a lack of guys coming in. Everything was better. Like they awesome. had a better gym. They wore cooler shit. They ate better food. Food. Yeah. And then the weapons, everything, man. We were on it. We were on a checkpoint one time because uh, that's, we did like these snap TCPs. So we would set up a checkpoint real quick and, you know, do our thing looking for people with bombs or whatever. And this van rolls up with these bearded dudes. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And as they roll up, to the windshield, they're holding up a little American flag that they're waving, and I see it, and I was like, well, this is weird. I was, again, I was like probably like E2 at the time, at the furthest most point of the TCP. Yeah, right. These guys roll up, and they've got like MP5 across the lap, and you know, they show a military ID card. I was like, uh, I've got some dudes here, you know, like, what is this? And uh, you know, they waved them on through, and I was just thinking, damn, that, that was pretty cool, man. Like, the best way I can describe it is when you, <laughs> when you see them for the first time, you kind of, yeah. They roll in. It's like, we're family, so like yeah. little brother watching big brother just come in off doing something cool. Yeah, it's and that that's, that's what like, it was, and it just like felt like they always did cooler shit, and they always had better stuff, and you know, it, it just really spawned. That. I was like, man, if I'm gonna do this, that that's the side of the house that I want to be on. Yeah, and I got me too. Fast forwarding ahead years, and in I, the same country, I'm finding myself driving around in a Toyota Corolla, man jammies on. With a freaking gun and a backpack. The Corollas. Hoping that I don't get killed by a U.S. Army guy. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. you know, I was like, man. We got sh- shot at a lot by them. Yeah, I was like, that was a really scary, especially like, here's the intel report. There's going to be a white Corolla. It's an IED. Yeah. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. There's going to be a That freaking, would be the intelligence. There's going to be a bongo truck that's got weapons in it. Oh, yeah. great. You know, they just called out what we're driving in well the pass know, down so. they wouldn't they wouldn't spare they wouldn't send it all the way down <laughs> yeah. that was that was a problem yeah. it's like the, the guys wouldn't normally shoot at us yeah but when they leave their station someone else would come in the intel wouldn't make it all the way to the new guy yeah and he just that's how that would happen to us yeah so i have a little cousin that is um he's actually taking his asvab this week oh, okay. um and he wants to go army yeah. and he, he thinks he is probably just gonna have to go in regular infantry somehow and then he wants to transition into the special forces later on yeah is it hard to do that for the kids that are listening that want to do something like that is you know yeah so the 18x program which is the program where yeah you come right in off the streets go right to i mean you go through the infantry training but then yeah you go you go right to the q course after selection all that um i have met some of the best guys i've ever worked with that were 18x rays Mm-hmm. And some of them were right out of high school guys. Some of them were guys with master's degrees that just didn't want to do they, that's what they wanted to do. And then I've also worked with prior service guys who went in the longer route who were great guys and some that weren't. So like I can't say that there's any difference, but I'll say if you if you want to do it and you just want to get right to it, just just go 18 x-ray because here's the thing like 
if you don't make it, you're still an infantry guy, and then you can just try again. Mm -hmm. But you might have had a chance to go in right away and get right to that side. Like, is there value to gain having been on the conventional side? Absolutely. But I don't think it's enough to where you should think it's an obligation. Like, It's impossible to answer that question. Yeah. And you don't have to wait a certain amount of time. You can just decide to... Yeah, train. like if yeah, like if, if you meet the prerequisites, just just go. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess if it's, if it's something you, your heart is set on, just go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I keep trying to put him in the Air Force, but he, he won't, you know, they don't listen to us. Man. Marcus tells all the young kids to go like, they want to be special Air Force. Forces. Yeah, and like, then Air gonna, Force. And then they're going to go be CCTs, <laughs> yeah, JTAC, right, right. PJs, you know. Have yeah. great accommodations. Yeah. But yeah, they're going to have great. Still top secret. Yeah. You do cool stuff. I yeah. mean, I, they do get I, taken care of really well. Oh, so well. Yeah. And Air Force guys Marcus says that. that they have the best uh, bases Dude. by far, oh, <laughs> by far, yeah. Their standard of living it is, is so good. It's like high. the rich folks, yeah, in, nice. in the family, yeah, in the neighborhood. <laughs> you feel it when you walk in you feel there it. too. Like they're just like I'm not just saying this. Yeah. This is an absolute fact, man. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you, you like walking into the rich kid's house. You're like, oh, yeah, cool leather chair. Yeah, yeah. and then the food. Like if they even think about going camping with us, a yeah. mall will show up in a volleyball court, the pool. Yeah. We're not making this up. No, no, it's true. They have much better accommodations. For we get sure. to hang out with them. We're yeah. like the bastard sons, so they let us hang out with the rich kids. They're our ride. Like we get to ride in their Bentleys and yeah. airplanes. Their engines are Rolls Royce, right? Aren't yeah, they? Probably. Probably. See, yeah. so they have the Rolls Royces. Yeah. Did you find the um, screening and everything to get into the Green Berets? Was that like a super challenging part of your career? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think more of it was mental because, you know, when you're... When what year you're, was that? That was... 2006, I think, is when I went to assessment. So, well, that was when it was pretty heavy. Yeah. We were taking, that was right after it started, and 2005 was a crazy. Yeah. So, like, most of the guys who were instructors there, most of the guys who were doing the selecting, those are all guys like they were either wounded or they were on a SWIC tour after doing multiple deployments. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it was like they knew that that means something in our communities, too. When you got guys like that who are your instructors, it's a lot of, it's, yeah, like they knew that the guys that they were putting through are guys that are going to be on their teams. When they get back, you know, so there was definitely a lot invested in making sure they, tell that you they that. had the right guy. They made yeah. that. They said that like, all the time. Yeah, like this isn't the last time you're going to see me. Like we're going to work together. And when they would point, work you know? our, I mean, beat the dog. Or what if you were screw, like if you screwed up on something, man? They'd be like, hey, I. They can tell because yeah. you got to understand, man. That the most the deadliest some bitches on the planet are the ones teaching you. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Talk back? I mean, that's just not how. Yeah, there's a. Yeah. When you're in the student mode, you get a student feeling yeah. that goes along with that. Yep. And when you're with your peers and they talk to you, it doesn't matter if they're younger, you're just like, hey. <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. So <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yeah. I so I think meant like physically I was I was I was really fit. Um I felt good about all the stuff I did. I wasn't the fittest guy there, but I, I never like struggled that much in that sense. But there's always gonna be like a, am I who they're looking for? You know, am I the am I the guy they want? And, you know, there was definitely times where I was doubted. I was like, man, look at these guys. This guy's a freaking st- – this guy was a decathlete. This guy's a whatever. And you start comparing yourself to everyone else and just wondering, man, like, am I the guy? And um, it's just something you do to yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you always want to wonder. I think especially, like, young men growing up, like, what does it take to be a man? When did you feel like you were actually a man? Am I – I didn't – I don't think I really felt like I was a man until I was a father. Of all the things yeah, that I had here. done. Yeah, same kids. All the things that – deployments, everything. Until I was a father – and I like really committed to the marriage and everything. I didn't feel like I was a man, you know. So like mid to late twenties. So wow. you know, in that you're still in that sense of it. And I, I carried that with me in my training too. Like I always felt like I was trying to fight to get into the club, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as soon as them suckers came on the ground, that's a, a title. Yeah, it talks about that title. 
Yeah. Do you think man that's... and father, right? Mm-hmm. No, you got to earn them. Yeah. Do you think that that's part of your growing up, like feeling like you never really had a home too? I th- like, I think looking back, that's a lot of it, mm-hmm. just because, you know, and it's I, I don't definitely want to like make it sound like I'm talking bad about my father because mm-hmm. you know we've all ultimately yeah. like are much closer than we used to be, but I think that was a big part of it. You know, I didn't grow up with. So other than my uncles, but uncles are always just crazy uncles, you know, whatever. Like, they're the cool guys. They're great. Yeah, I, I didn't have the one who was, like, teaching me the values and the morals and all that stuff. I adopted them pretty well just based off my surroundings. But, you know, I didn't have somebody to show me what it was like to be a man. It was like, we occasionally went camping and did cool things, but not enough to where, like, I felt like I really understood what it meant. Is is a man somebody that, you know, attracts a lot of women? Is it how many girls think you're attractive? Is a man somebody who's strong or who's, like you know, a great athlete or whatever, you know, those are the things that superficially you think that that's what's going to make it. That's what's going to make you feel like you finally become a man. And it's none of that stuff. Like right. for me, those, are, those are all in there. Yeah. They're all part of it. You said it perfectly. Like, yeah. Hey, which one's that one? Well, that's your athlete right now. And that's this and this and the other. But yeah, when one, when one, when a man walks in a the door, they immediately say it like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I feel like being a man is also, someone's got to make you feel like that too. Yeah. Like it's not just a feeling that you have inside, but you, if it's your wife, you know, yeah. making you feel like you're a man or your kids make, yeah. you know, like how you have that dad feeling or yeah. whatever, like, oh, okay, someone's actually depending on me. I think that's the, that's the word. Like mm-hmm. it's dependability. If someone's depending on you and you can be held accountable for failure, like if you can be held accountable for the failure of something else, mm-hmm. like now you can be a man because oh, now, yeah, like, yeah. no, and it's know, be blamed for something yeah. and take the accountability for it. If your family fails, it, if you whatever, all that, like that's when it was. Then like, you're a man. I'm a man. I'm willing to protect if my family. If your family's happy yeah. and your life's still shit, yeah, you're doing your job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to. I mean, if they got to give childbirth, mm-hmm. all right, they got to yeah. go through that. Ours are like, we'll be outside. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever comes with that. Yep. So if you're getting your nuts kicked in, congratulations, you got your damn man card, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's that's true. That was a big. That was a huge part. I mean, people of that. overlook that. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like, what does it mean to be that? What does it mean to be a man? Was I think face kicked in. All yeah. Time. Everybody. I think everybody finds it at a different time. Right. Oh, you know? sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Ages rank. Yeah. So for me, like, yeah, I'd probably done almost half my career before I was like really felt like I wasn't a kid anymore. That's um, how long it took so, to beat me and you yeah. down, bro. Just, just kind of get that yeah. that card. Same way. Yeah. I was like, man. I how do you even know if you're doing this right? I was like, man, if you're if it's always crazy chaos and you're getting your beat down, in the good book it says that's that that's what's supposed to happen to you. Yeah, yep. it's that's so interesting too because you see so much about like toxic masculinity now and all of these yeah. things online and on the news, like trying to just demasculate. Yeah, to demasculate yeah. men, mm-hmm. but there is a role for masculinity, and we yeah. have to have that in when, our society. When you call the fire department. Do you want masculinity to show up or do right. you not? Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think everyone... How bad you want that fire put out? Yeah. I want the fire put out. I want somebody who can get the job done. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm all about strong masculinity. I can't stand this, you know, wave of, I don't know, people talking this bullshit about how we're raising too tough of men or how, you know, I'm yeah. like, what is now that? Now I think it's just what a struggle to ensure they do grow up tough enough. Right. You know, it's, yeah. The so. world made us this way. We didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's so. what gets overlooked too. Yeah. All right. So when you bumped out of the Q course, where they, you went? So I went to 10th group from there. So, um, I was an Arabic speaker and a communicator. So I graduated as an 18 echo, echo um, right? as a staff sergeant. And, where, and what was your language? Arabic. Arabic. 
Y'all are pretty squared away with that. Like with team guys, I'll send them to learn some stuff that probably yeah. never gonna speak. Yeah, yeah. And well, at that time, everybody, you know, because we always obviously go through phases, but because everyone was so invested in Iraq and Afghanistan, those are the main languages. You're gonna learn Iraq. You're gonna learn um, Arabic. You might learn French. You're gonna learn Spanish for the, for the guys who are going down South America. Yeah. Um, or you're gonna learn like and Urdu that's or Pashtun. That's thing about y'all. All y'all, yeah. y'all having to do that. Yeah. That's not in our program. That's one of the differences. Yeah. It. I mean, it's definitely it's it's nice to have. The amount of times I've actually used my language skills, I'd say fairly minimal. Um, and Iraq a little bit, but their dialect's different enough, you know. Slang. Yeah. Like, when we say dialect, we're talking about slang. It's yeah. like walking in any part of the United States, man. Yeah. You'll hear the language, but man, there's some country folks that they talk so damn slow, you, mm-hmm. you, 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 it's hard to pick up what they're saying. Yeah, go and down south. talk so fast. Yeah, talk to the Cajuns. Boudreaux and Tipper. Boom, right there. We <laughs> got guys. climbing. That's, no, that's yeah. what we're walking into over there. <laughs> yeah. Like when they send us back in time, we get with the, with the cousins and everybody, you're looking around like, man, I, I kind of understand what you're saying, yeah. but your slang is so off. I don't... So that's what it's kind of like. It's like taking, it's like taking an Oxford grad... And Correct. Sending him to the deepest swamp in, swamp Louisiana, in Louisiana and having a conversation. Right. Like trying to same teach language, something. Yeah. But you're gonna miss. And that was like that was like <laughs> yeah. That was like my formal Arabic training against you know the places that I went. That How used about it. That? So semi helpful, not not entirely, but still great skill to have. So um, yeah. So with that, I got sent to tenth group. Um, which was great. That's where my dad grew up, and it was back to Colorado Springs, which is where you know, like I said, for the most What's part, that like? home. Going into your dad's house. I don't know. I mean, was it cool? Same yeah. locker. It was cool. Same stuff still there. Is there uh, a tree, a scratch bit. your name in. Yeah, I mean, I, think, I mean, give me something. Yeah, man. I mean, I had only been to his team room one time, and looking back, I'm pretty sure at one point I was in the same building. I was trying to remember. I was like, is this the same building I went to when I was a kid? And he showed me the guys and, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, but it was just cool being part. Has of he passed? Ground. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Has he passed? No, he's still in. He he just retired for the second time because he transitioned. Wait, you're retiring tomorrow? Yeah. And your old man is retiring when? He just retired his second position. So he... I think you need to step up then, man. I know. <laughs> I, but I, I don't I mean, want to do that stuff anymore. Anybody I don't else catch that? Yeah. He, so he went... <laughs> Where's uh, he at? Get your mom and him yeah. in here, man. He retired and went to Sock North, okay. uh, or the T-Sock over yeah. at Peterson Air Force Base. And he ran some, he ran, um, some sensitive stuff at, over there for like another... 18, 19 years or so. So he just finished there. Um, yeah. yeah. Family and service. Thank you for it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank, yeah. You, thank you, family. Oh, yeah. Man, seriously. Yeah, no, thank, I mean, amongst common common company here. So, of course, reciprocated. Um, super cool, exciting, and got to 10th group, and that, that's when the deployment started. Um, had Africa a couple times, which is great. I absolutely love Africa deployments. Yeah. And uh, back to Iraq in 2010. That was a bad year for us, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a weird year. Weird, right? Yeah, that was a really weird year. How about that? Anytime, anytime something's wrapping up or something is very politically tied, the mission sets get weird. Yeah, that's right. That's what was going down. Yeah. So it was like, I've, I've now been to two combat zones where the president on TV is saying we have now stopped and all combat troops are going home, and you're watching it on AFN right before you go out to go do a hit. Like, oh, yep, remember that? Yep, all combat all troops are gone, sure. huh? Here we go. Like, <laughs> Just us here. Just us. Isn't yeah. that weird? I remember that. Yeah. When they were saying that there was, like, people were saying, oh, there's no more war. There's no and more combat. And you're like, dude. Like, our 
friends, and yeah. his brother was still over there. I'm like, yeah. uh, well, we've been through three, four lying. presidents since then. <laughs> yeah, and it keep yeah, like that happens like a lot. Like, yeah. like it's a big signal that the combat troops have left. All right. Well, then in 2000, <laughs> that means your, yeah, your boys are still over there doing that, the deal. That means that we have to do it all. Yeah. That means that we don't have route clearance anymore. Mm -hmm. That means that we don't have like there's not a lot of activity to where you can seamlessly like do what you need to do. Now you're the main show. Every time you go out, they know who you are. They yeah. know. Yeah. They know which. They know who has mini guns on their trucks, you know. So like, it definitely changed the oh, they move around dynamic. Us. Yeah, they, they, they but I'll say like, that was a very, that was a very non-kinetic deployment. Yeah. But the regular army guys were getting hit all the time. All the time. We never got hit. I think mm -hmm. they they knew what the response was going to be. You know, our ROE was oh. pretty unrestrictive when we, it came and we'd to. Hunt them. Yeah. So like. And we were eager for a fight. We were Damn hoping right. for a fight. Whereas the regular army guys, they were all buttoned up in all their stuff. You know, like I think the, at one point they weren't even allowed to have their weapons hot. They had to have That's like right. they had to be, like the saw gunners had to have, have like ammo or anything. Yeah, there was like amber bullshit. condition or whatever. Like, who who like, even comes up yeah. with that? We saw a guy like they would clear their weapons. They they would do the test pit before they roll out, and then like clear their weapon and then go out the gate. And I'm like, this is weird. But those guys would get hit all the time. But they would just sit there and just take it in the armor and then just roll through or whatever. But yeah, we did tons and tons of operations, and it was just super quiet. No, at that point, they knew that if I fight back, I'm going to get killed. If I get arrested, I'm going to get released. So I'm just going to like sit there and just if you take me, you and take we wait me on you to kill you. Yeah. So like, like oh, all right, that's it. You know, and we have ISR making sure that because yeah, we got we good. don't do anything. Like bad. we integrated <laughs> into those neighborhoods and figured out who the gangs were and how yeah. that shit was working. And once we yep. did that, it was like we yeah wasn't a problem. Yeah. So super weird, super weird time. I mean, fun deployment, but not very kinetic deployment. Um, but still great. There's never I've never had like a bad asset deployment, even if there's no. bad stuff in it. You know, like so. Um, well, those, yeah. those are the ones you wind up talking about the most. Yeah. Not 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 the not those high high target ones, man. Those the, like I said, the kinetic ones, the ones where we're always doing something. It's yeah. The ones where we're going off and we're sitting idle hands, right? Yeah. Like we find stuff to do. Dude, it's so much fun. I tell you what, team guys can be troublemakers oh. if you don't have a job for those dudes. They're like, I had a, a, a guy who he graduated Look busy. from West Point. Remember, we always had to yeah. hear that. Look busy. All yeah. right. He All was, right. yeah. He was told. <laughs> he was told before he took a team. He's like, look, running an SF team, you're not going to have to worry about chaptering guys all the time. You're not going to have like, you're not going to have Joe problems. You're going to have international incident problems That's like right. if you have a problem on your team it could be big huge like, these are grown men who do have great ideas and they're incredibly smart Stupid and when they shit, get bored and oh. they can be creative so like, awesome stuff yeah i mean you can't even believe yeah. what we come up with <laughs> yeah so, yeah idle idle Special operations oh, hands. Oh man, it's the best. Can be very creative. That's <laughs> so. why when they start getting them doing dumb stuff, right? Yeah. When you see them like, hey man, yeah. let's just keep you busy. Yeah. Have I have I seen an MRAP turbo turned into a jet for a hot tub? Yes, yeah, I have. Sure. Oh my gosh. Who <laughs> hasn't seen like, that one play out yeah. before? So, hey, yeah. matter of fact, it get it it'd get emailed over on the high side. Great idea for you guys. Try this out. Yeah. Check this out. Yeah. So yeah. Oh don't. God. So that's yeah. Let's get, don't have bored SF guys. If they're not doing anything, send them home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then start harassing the agency guys and everybody else we can find. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So rotating. How many years? Yeah. Did so you, did you do? Did you pull? Yeah. So twenty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So twenty and done. For me. And now we're doing what? And now we're moving on to uh, HVMN, uh, the company that's that's has the ketone shots. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So um, how'd you how'd you even come come into this? Yeah. So my my final position in 
uh, in the Army was working at the Special Operations Mountain Warfare Training Center. It's, it's gone by many names, but that's the one that it's finally landed it's on. It's a real place, and this is a it, real guy. Yeah, it's a real place, a real guy. And uh, my specialty in Special Forces has always been uh, in as a mountain guy, which is, it's like a niche within a niche. Not a lot of guys even know it exists or what they do. I didn't, even by the time I got there. So uh, everything I had done in SF was all mountain-oriented. I was a mountaineering instructor, so teaching climbing, teaching rope systems, skiing, and all that stuff. And then when I became a warrant... That's what you got to do for a job. That was a job. <laughs> Did you hear that? I mean, yeah. everyone always glazes over yes. that, and that's the most fast. And that, that's not in the brochure there, either, there was, is it? Yeah, there is definitely a lot of people at that time that were like, you realize you have the dream job. Dude, you get to, you ski, are, you get you to are, be a ski instructor. You, you are skiing, <laughs> you're climbing, you're in the mountains all the time, whatever. Yeah, it You live was, in Colorado Springs. Yeah, so there was definitely like... It, there was definitely times where I was like incredibly thankful for the route that I had gone and, and how I got to that position. So, and the best is the middle rank too when you get because you don't have the top response. I mean, literally, you get to show up to work, work out, eat, and be like, "Hey, man, what do you want me to do?" Yeah, being an instructor there was great. I mean, have, having a family and having kids was was tough in that, which it is during your entire career. But we were gone a lot, probably more often than being on an ODA as a mountain instructor. I was oh, yeah. gone, yeah, so yeah. I was in the same state, but I wasn't in my bed. You know, mm. so. Um, which makes it worse probably yeah because you're like right there right you're, there you're gone and like it's also hard to like you know when your spouse knows that you're like gone and you're skiing and you're staying in veil oh. well, we don't we don't ever talk about that <laughs> yeah like because i've heard some of the i wasn't married when i was in when went allowed but i would hear yeah. some of the guys he, they come in you see them you could tell there's a difference between being pissed off when a dude pisses you off yeah and when your wife rips you oh yeah it's a different look and i could always all feel together it. she knew it was an important job she knew what i was doing was said they would go camping but so how's, was, how was it so hard you're going camping like oh yeah wah, well sometimes know. it's hard the army makes things worse than it needs to be that's, that's right just what we do you know they leave that part out yeah so uh yeah so i, I was a career mountain guy from there i went uh i went and got my commission as a warrant came back and took a mountain which team. means what so I became a warrant officer, so you're going to be the assistant detachment commander. So you're an officer with prior enlisted service in special forces. So um, with that, you're the second guy on the team. If the team splits, you're the number one guy for your split team. And now you are, I guess, like, there's a lot of core competencies that revolve around it, but the biggest part of it is you are the continuity on the team. Your time there is going to lapse several team sergeants, several commanders, and you're the one who's ultimately progressing the team as a whole to so get you don't to have to stay, once to you make that and you get in that position, you have to yeah. hold that position. Yeah, so you'll stay Ordinarily, on a team. Yeah, so while. you'll stay on a team for another couple of years, yeah. which it's a great opportunity to get more team time, but then also to apply the knowledge and experience you have into growing and building a team. Sure. So like, is there a limit on how much time you can do operational? Because for our guys, yeah, uh, they, they some some of the guys get like a three year kind of deal. It's not a it's not really a hard number, but just. With with the amount of people we have and the jobs that that's have to why, happen, that's why because you got to rotate dudes. Right? Yeah, guys just have to take positions, you know. Yeah. So for me, you know, it's not personal. Yeah, yeah, it's just the way it is. That's you know, like is, guys yeah. need to go be instructors, guys and guys need to hate that. Hold on, back to Vail. So if you're having to go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you're having to go to Vail, are you staying at? Are you camping out there? Don't ask that question. Or, <laughs> this is when the Air Force comes into in play because they got. I'll tell you the name of the place we stayed, and then just you can draw your conclusions. It was called the Vail Racket Club. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't camping. And your wife just can't show up? I mean, she's got mom duties. We got idea. kids that go to school. We yeah. got, Raising you know, little ones. I, I, I will be, I always well, we're wanted the to country. find a way. Like, every time, every time I'm doing something that just feels great, that I like doing, I always feel guilty that I can't bring my wife along. I always try to wait. I got to get you like out that, with honey. me. I got to get we you do. to this point. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's just not in the cards. So nerve wracking. You know, 
I will regress. When I say Veil Racket Club, I know it sounds like bougie, but it was cheaper to stay there, and it was right next to the training areas. There's a lot of good ice climbing there. Hey, bro, we're skiing, retired. So Our wars are like, over. Don't ever apologize hey. for the cool yeah. shit we got, man. So, yeah. I mean, it ever. made sense where we stayed there, but good a lot of people definitely fish. like raise their yeah. eyebrows. Get when pissed we off. We don't staying. let the new kids stay there. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Fix the but, problem. We, we, well, yeah, mountain, sh mountain shit's stressful. Like, and it's scary, especially for guys that don't do it. So the the least amount of stress that doesn't need to be there that we can remove, the better training we're going to get. Like, we don't need a guy who's tired because he's not sleeping well, who's, like, living in shit conditions while he's learning. Like, we want a guy who's ready to learn, and then they can move in where it sucks. Oh, yeah, apply you know? it one at a time. Yeah, and we do get to that point. But, yeah, there is a veil part, which is pretty nice. And there's some stuff you learn just in that, that piece, too. Yeah. That's a different part of training. Yeah, like you need to learn the technical You do that in the aspect. beginning. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the beginning of the course. You do that in the beginning. Yeah. You get your ass whipped. That, yeah. That's how that works. And it then... Yeah. It, is not a, it is not a stressful course in that like yeah. you don't get yelled at. We're very personable within in students because you need to be. We put it on ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, 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 it feeds stress. itself, man. Like you, Especially if you get older guys in there, we're like, hey, we, we do good at this. We don't yeah. do... It's a, its own kind of machine. Yeah. When it's they, not when selection they, again. As soon as they yeah. locked us into place, the first guys that came online started that. Mm -hmm. And every guy who comes in after him has a, a duty to, yeah. and an, uh, an obligation to make it. So yep. speaking of needing to be at peak performance and all of that, yeah. is that how you got introduced to HVMA? Yeah, so um, with that, after my team time was done, uh, I, was, I was chosen to be the commander for the mountain school. And right when I got there was the same time that HVMN was working on a... a um, uh, on a grant that they had gotten from SOCOM. So there was a DARPA project like 15, 20 years ago called Operation Metabolic Dominance. And the whole point was like, how do we protect guys' brains when they're up at altitude? Because obviously the, the higher you are, you know, the, the less oxygen availability you have, which makes you lose cognitive function. And it's a very real thing. You know, looking back at some of the mistakes I've made in the mountains, I was like, why would I ever have done this? You know, why did this happen? Bro, they make movies about how bad I get my ass <laughs> the, the mountains? Like, yeah, they, even without bad guys, the mountains will try to kill it you. kicks my ass all the time. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. you know, even, you know, personally, I look back, one of the worst times I had had was I was guiding two students. I'd gone through all my checks. It was only multi-pitch repel where, you know, I'm guiding. I'm going to repel down to the next anchor point, set it up, bring them down to me. And I was about to set up for the next repel, and I checked all their stuff. I check my stuff. I have a very like procedural way I do it. I always pride myself on how I did that. I started on my rappel, undid my safety because I was like, yep, rappel's working. And it just wasn't working right. And I was like leaning back off this cliff. I look up. My belay device wasn't even hooked onto the rope. I was only on my backup. And I was just like, why in the world would I have ever made that decision? And I look back oh and I was gosh. like, wow, I was exerting myself in altitude, which is why like there was just a cognitive loss. And you can do things like that. Little mistakes like that could like take an operator out. What would the student's story have been if I'd have just backed off that cliff? It'd be like, yeah, he said, see you guys at the bottom and just went. You know? Hey, we thought, Dude, oh well, you know, God. hey. <laughs> yeah. so, Check that guy yeah. out. So, so basically, so when, when I had heard that they were coming up with a thing that was going to help protect guys against that, I was already immediately intrigued, having been in that situation before. So uh, they came on board. They, they came down and said, hey, this is what a ketone is. This is how it helps your brain. And we did some objective testing on it. So take some bottles, go out, let us know what you think about it. Gen 1 was pretty hard to handle, and it was incredibly expensive. Like, when it first came, it would have been like $2,500 a shot. So basically, what you would get in one of these would be like 2500 bucks, just because the technology wasn't there to produce, to produce the ketones efficiently. And since then, they have now have one that's like, 
these is like five bucks a shot now and it's actually palatable and it works better than the first one did. Mm. So having worked with the company for three years or so, basically facilitating the testing on it when I announced my retirement and I was handing them off to who was going to be, you know, handling that side of the house because they're still testing probably up until June, they're going to be done. Um, they said, how would you like to work on as an advisor? Would you like to come on board? We've liked working with you in the past. So that's how I got involved with, with the program. And to this day, like it's, it's so beneficial. And it's one of those things that's like, I imagine when Gatorade came out, people were like, why are you guys drinking salts and stuff? Why are you drinking electrolytes? We drink water. We're fine. It's kind of the same thing. Now it's like, this is something that your body already does naturally. Like ketones aren't new. Your body will make ketones. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the way our, we eat these days, we will never experience that naturally unless you hunt for it. Yeah. But when you do that, now you have to be on a keto diet and then you know, you can't have carbs or anything like that. And when you don't have carbs, that's another fuel source that you need when you're really exerting yourself. So really the play is that you can dual fuel now. You can take what's the most efficient fuel, which is a ketone that your body actually produces, and you can also have carbs on board for when you need it. So you get all the mental clarity, all the stuff that you need from the ketones, and then you still get to have carbs. You don't have to have a restrictive diet. You drink it and like you're instantly in it. So super, super intriguing product, super awesome like application for the ground guys. And when the company said that, like, hey, I have an opportunity to get this into the hands of guys, because I have guys that are paying for this with their own money, which I hate. Like, I'm sure you've bought plenty of stuff with your own money mm -hmm. that you were like, they should be giving me this. It's the same thing. So that's my end is to so get So what it does at altitude is. when you bring that down to, yeah. to sea level, yeah, it amplifies it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, going back to, like, biochem and, and the way it works, it has to do with how efficient it fuels. It takes less oxygen per particle to function, so it burns more efficiently. It's basically the path of least resistance for fueling for the brain. Slow burning fuel, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like if your body ran on a diesel generator, but it also had the opportunity to run on like 110 race fuel, mm. like you can now run both. So your body's a multi-fuel system, it's freaking incredible. So you get to put all the fuels in it your body needs, and it uses what it needs when it's appropriate, so. It's kinda like yeah. some, I saw there's a candle we have in our house, I walk past it all the time, one of the prayer candles. Yeah. It burns for a month, dude. Yeah. It's super efficient fuel. Freaking month. Yeah. And then there's some of them, the fragrant candles in the house, man. Dude. Those suckers are go down like yeah. you can't catch fire. And those aren't cheap. <laughs> those aren't cheap. You, you buy it, your apple that, pie that's candle. Kind of, that's what we're talking about yeah. right yeah. now. It's, it's exactly. slow burn, it's an, fast burn. It's an efficiency in fueling. Yeah. And, you, and your body gives you the compensation to, to switch, do both. The body knows. And the, yeah. yeah, and the body knows. Does exactly. it make you jittery or anything? No. So that's the big difference. Like, there's there's two big misconceptions that, that I think definitely need to go out here. One is that it's not a replacement for coffee or energy drinks or whatever because it's not a stimulant. So, like, coffee works differently. It's not a fuel source. Right. It's a stimulant. And it's great. Like, I freaking love coffee. Um, I just started. This is a fuel great habit. I, I just yeah, you it up, should. Uh, oh, if you remember with company, have you used company? There's, there's a couple companies out there that make coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, so I, just, I literally just started the habit because my buddy started a coffee company and I'm enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, he oh, did. Marcus yeah. didn't yeah. drink coffee before. He just. Like just in started. the last year, huh. started. Well, I hope coffee. I hope that coffee company does well. Yeah, <laughs> me too, man. Good for them. But uh, yeah, so so the one is that it's not a replacement for that. It stacks really well with that. Use them both, you know. And the other is that it's not a key. I mean, is it technically keto? Yeah, it's keto. Like if you're on that diet, but it's not for people who are doing keto. Right. It can be, but the point is that you don't have to. Does like, it attach well yeah. to those people who are doing the diet? Yeah, it's just it's just more fuel. No, for you. Yeah, it's just more fuel. So. That's so interesting. Yeah. So your goal 
at the end of this is for the military to pick this up and just use it as part of like the implementation yeah. for just getting these guys yeah, like, not only healthy but like keep maintaining a it's certain it's a yeah like and i'm sure like even even on your deployments i don't know how many wild tigers or rippets you used to slam or whatever well we don't even remember they had stuff back in the day now crazy well, we, stuff guys I mean, have like yellow jackets and stacker twos how about in that freaking dump the stuff houses, you used to get like, at the gas station what was the yeah <laughs> they, they stopped making the rip the rip, rip fuel with the uh yeah had the Pseudoepinephrine, I think it was. Yeah, you could tell when you open that bottle. Yeah, what it looked at. I mean, yeah, so like, oh, the yeah. so guys, are, or guys are like slamming pre-workout before an operation, all that stuff. And like, oh, that's like, man, like, but that, that's what you had. It's like, hey, man, did you get a heart attack? No, I went right past it. Yeah, yeah, we were, I was too <laughs> busy to have a heart too attack. Too busy. My yeah. heart was going too fast. I'll have one later. I'll have, have one later. later. Yeah, my heart I was going way right too fast to have a heart yeah. attack. So yeah, so ultimately, yeah, my 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 goal would be for this to be made available to the guys on the ground that need it. For the guys who, the cyber warriors, who want to have the increased brain function, they want to be faster, they want to think better, they want to be clearer, great for those guys. But for this to be in the ops ends, for guys to hit this thing before they go on operations, or to have it in a freaking lurps, like the little like mini MREs that have like, you mm -hmm. know, the snacky poos and all that stuff in it, like that's where it belongs. That's the right place for it. And so ours are underwater all the time, man. Yeah. We Ours would have to be condensed even smaller. You couldn't bring anything that... Yeah. And then... the. Uh, well, they tested everything they could on us to see. Oh, I'm sure, for the yeah. Us, guys. yeah. Us and the pilots, right? Yeah. To see see how long we could go in those kind of conditions. Yep. And that, that's what it was all about. Yeah. Have y'all done that? Have you branched out to different? Undersea, uh, the, the yeah. underworld man is way different. And I was never, different. I was never a dive guy. Uh, you know, I'm not a big shark person. And they don't have sharks in the mountains yet, so that's where I will remain. So. Yeah, he's not a big shark guy either. How about that, man? I got, to be... the hell I was thinking the going one, down there, man. Oh, dude, the, the one time I did, so I did a water jump in Florida, and I, they were like, this is like the largest concentration of bull shark areas there hey, are. We were, Why we were, are we jumping here? We we're going to jump in. We're going to be wearing black. I'm going to be having fins to make Frolicking me look, in the water. I'm going to look more like a fish that can't <laughs> exactly, swim because exactly. I'm a mountain guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm jumping in, and like we're looking off the tailgate of the ramp, and my the jump master guy on my team was even more scared of sharks than I was, and he's seeing the shapes. Oh my god! And he's, he's just, just like, and his job like, is to yeah. say, "Follow me." I was yeah. not a I was not a free fall guy. I was a static line guy the entire Dope time. On a rope. So yeah, that was me. Yeah, you know, go where the wind takes me That's for the it. most part. Um, so yeah, his job was to say, "Follow me," and we all followed him, looking down like, "Oh gosh," you know. <laughs> so you, we're dressed in Ugh. jet black. Yeah. yeah, and then you got these fins on, and your hands frolicking at your side, and when you hit that water, I mean, it looks like a great big. It's, it's unbelievable. What he's talking about static lines. So imagine uh, the sky in the air is like a, a big sea, and when you hear men at war, or just like in the ocean, you got the blue ocean, you got man of war jellyfish, mm -hmm. and you got the men of war in, in the sky, and you know the man of war jellyfish just kind of float through, and if they hit you, they kill you. That's what it looks like when they when we jump out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. When you hit the water, I mean, water jump's kind of great. It is you know, cool, yeah. It, you know you're not going to get hurt. Yeah, like, I mean, that's the cool yeah. part. And we had, uh, what's funny is going in, like, we were all like, oh, because none of us had really done that part of it, because yeah. again, we weren't scuba guys. Um, so we were like, oh, I got my knife with me. I got my whatever with me. So we were like prepared for that scenario. And one of my guys, so we had our, our fins tied up with like 80-pound tests so we can rip them and put them on when we got to the water. And he gets in the water, and his fin had busted loose on the jump, he said it came up and bumped him in the leg while he first got in the water. Oh, he says, 
every bit of me that thought I was going to take a knife and fight off a shark, he's like, like, I curled into a ball. <laughs> and screamed. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, that's right. That's naturally what happened. So. Dude, when the man in yeah. the gray suit shows up, it's like a humbling experience when you're not in your world down there. You're yeah. like, oh, all right, because there is some big stuff, yeah. especially at night. Oh, yeah, scary stuff. I mean, hats off Terrifying to, to that there. side of the house. But Don't uh, come down there if you... If you yeah. <laughs> so uh, to, to answer your question on like whether we've explored mm -hmm. that part of it, SOCOM as an umbrella the project was for altitude mm -hmm. but the results that we're seeing in the testing is going to have application to all those guys and because socom like the nsw marsoc afsoc you mm -hmm. know uh sf command like all of them are under that that's all the direction that that would go good. when it becomes a procurement uh option so well, you know with our crew too the one of the good things is if some of the guys start operating on it and it works then mm -hmm. it'll pass around so fast by word of mouth and that's and that's so the even if you don't goal, get it yeah. in the beginning yep. the guys will make their way up the chain yeah and pull it with them. And that's really what and that's really what we're doing here is, is like it's me like it's getting out to the community, getting out on the platforms so guys can try it and they because when the demand signal comes from the ground guys and it gets out to the units, oh yeah. Then it's like, okay, Check. yeah, that's get right. these for the guys. You know, you only buy Oakleys for so long before they show up in the supply room. And then and you pass them that's right. And then fifteen years down the road the regular army gets them. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that's the way it is. That's the way you it know, is. You have to create demand signals. So those are the two. Well and that's in this kind of case it's open to the public. So anybody public. can yeah go yeah. online and well, what this. we're talking about is like our guys will test it yeah because you're not just throwing it in a dormant human yeah you're, you're no, they're gonna put every possibility like every guy a, i mean yeah. if they if, when they start drinking that stuff it's yeah. gonna open stuff you'll road test it yeah exactly and like i welcome i would say like anybody who's in any of those units or any of those organizations that thinks this will work reach out and i will send you stuff on me to try it and give me feedback. Like, I'm oh, very aggressive. You got a lot make... of that if you put that out like this. You can't believe who listens to this. I want, I want people to try it. I want yeah. people to say, this is the real deal. You know, if not, I wouldn't be with the company if they said, hey, we're making another pre workout. You want to like be an army guy and talk about my pre workout? No, yeah. man, pound sand. Like, but it, I believe in it enough to where like I am happy oh, to put my I'm like, don't say nothing it. unless it works. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to stand behind something that doesn't have application. Yeah. And yeah. Everything I've seen on my end and my guys that use it and all that, like, it's the real deal. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, we're real good about that. Some of us, especially, I tested on myself for a long time before I pass it down. So, yeah. where does the like common everyday person that's not in the military get it? So, right now, there's a couple. We have e-coms. We have the website, and Amazon also carries it. And we're also launching in Sprouts in March in like all 400 stores, which is pretty big. There's yeah. some niche stores that have it, like Earth Bar carries it. But for the most part, online's the way to go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, try it out. Oh, you hit those you little know. substations like that. It'll it's yeah. like it's, it's underground little private secrets. You know, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Man. Like, like if our guys find out about it, yeah. then they find out it's military grade. As soon as you hear yeah. military grade, then that's when they come online. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, having having the background and having the fact, like, we didn't come up with the product. Like, we didn't come up with it. DARPA came up with the project oh, because check. they oh, knew sorry, it was yeah. the right deal. I thought you meant earlier. Like, we didn't have any of this when we were coming in. Oh, yeah. No, and we didn't. DARPA had already thought about it, but it was too expensive and it tasted like shit and like it just wasn't happening. So yeah. HVMN reintroduced the DARPA project back to SOCOM and said, we, we can make this happen. So yeah, like there's been a long history of like DOD exploration in, in ketone use for fuel. That's so awesome. Think about that too, man. It's like we came through when those protein shakes still tasted like butt water. I mean, oh, like it, clumps and shit, drinking that, oh. trying to muck, like, the you know, stronger. You know, the, uh, you know, the, the canned oh, Gatorade worst, protein man. shakes. Ew. I've drank a lot of warm protein Ew. shakes. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
so, my gosh. But you know what? Ultimately, like as as we evolve and we get better at our health and we get better at understanding what's going on in our bodies, like people wear garments that read their heart rates, people wear whoops and auras. So like we're more in tune to what our body's doing than we ever were before. And now it's time to apply that and treat the guys who should be treated like athletes, like athletes, because mm -hmm. that's what they are. Like special operations guys, they, that's how they should be treated. Oh, it'd be cool if they were start recruiting us and like paying us like, like, they, like they do with football. Like yeah, they, no kidding. That's the guy you want right there. How much? Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're switching it. Yeah. But that's it. Like the man behind the weapon system is always going to be more important. And the more effective he is, the better he's going to be. Yeah. At. Make, so, yeah, you know. exactly. Like that. You can actually have a, a dibs on who goes in. Yeah. Stop. Stop wasting. I won't say stop wasting, but that's the right word. Stop wasting so much money on shit that works a little bit and then phases out immediately or becomes obsolete mm -hmm. and invest a tenth of that into the man and make a better soldier. You can't believe how hard, that's the work ethic. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you turn that sucker on, they won't, they won't shut down. Yeah, They'll exactly. go they burn out. Yeah. It's its own little, it's amazing. Yep. Well, so. that's awesome. That's the hardest thing when yeah. you rotate back to the world, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Is when they put you in a bunch of, that, that don't work like that. Yeah. It'll drive you crazy. I imagine, I had a, a buddy of mine who went and did a internship with a company, it was a civilian company, I think out in Vermont area, whatever. he was just talking about, he's like, I showed up and I was given like 70%, I felt like I was blowing the doors off of the civilians I was working with because like I felt like I was shamming and I was like to them I was like crushing it and I was like yeah the work ethic is entirely yeah, different. Think about that because it turns around they're like I was trying to out show it show everybody yeah. up when in reality you're trying to show them what you're capable of. Yeah. It's reversed for us when you come back out now. Yeah. And it, it's so hard to throttle that. that yeah, it's like, yeah it's like I'm not trying to show up and just show you how hard I work I'm just trying to do the job because we have a job and I'm going to do it and that's. You know, to be honest, I was oh, like, and here's the best yeah. is when you finish your job and you go, hey, man, you want me to help you with yours? Then yeah. they're like, well, what, why what would you, you help what? me with no, my no, no, job? No, that's my job. You're trying to take credit for my stuff? No, man. What do you want, my salary? We're a team. No, man, I was yeah. just trying to help you. Like, don't worry about my job. Dude, yeah. when you hear that for the first time, it, it goes against everything we were taught. Yeah, exactly. And that's 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 another big part of like being part of that. When I first heard, I thought it must be like a huge warehouse where they've got 500 employees and all this stuff. It's not. It's a small, decentralized team where everyone has responsibilities. They all support each other. And it's like... This is a world that I'm used to, yeah. mm -hmm. and I can thrive in this. So it's a team environment with something that I stand behind. So it's like, yeah, this this will work. So, yeah. yeah. And it's giving back to your guys. It's so. giving back to the guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we're trying to do here, too, man, is find, yeah. make sure when guys find come out where they know that's at and yeah. who's doing what. Exactly. Find find a way to get it to the guys that need it to where they don't have to Because all our communities you know. talk. You got bastards yeah, like me yeah. who, 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 you know, whore around to the Army and Marines. I'm just like, <laughs> hey, bro, I got buddies in every one of them. Yeah. Everyone, and we talk. Yep daily everybody mm -hmm. like the the community is so small like yesterday shoot i hung like everybody that knows everybody you know like uh we freaking wrestled with tim kennedy yeah. and then yeah, then we were hanging out with freaking uh the brcc guys yep. Yep. hanging out with mike lover yep. who's friends with greg anderson who i just did a show with him not too long so like every single piece touches it didn't take as long yeah, yeah. so it's like if you're sh like if you're full of it you're gonna get you're gonna out it real quick. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm fully we're willing to put that. We're all a big puzzle. Yeah. It's cool because all that all that stuff they taught us when we were in the military when we were kids because we were mm -hmm. like comms. Now yeah. we have instead of communicating back and forth, now we're everybody. Yeah. Dude, and we I, got the freaks. And it's weird. And we know where we live. Yeah. We got locations, grids, everything. Guys everything. are just starting to put that that overlay together. Yeah. And once we pull that sucker tight, you won't be able to get around us. Yeah. Oh yeah. The network yeah, of no, guys, no. like especially like 
you know, the GWAT generation who are getting out and going Stand to do cool by. things, building the tribe. <laughs> Stand I, by. I, I will say, like. When them GWATs show all of us, because mm -hmm. our war went over until they stopped it. Yeah. Like, even the guys in the beginning, it, that's not how it works. Yep. You have to completely shut it down when that last man came off. When that happened, we all came home. Now it begins. Yep. And every single one of those guys is still ready when you pick up the phone yeah. if something needs to happen. So, you know, the Isn't network is great? strong. Yeah. That's great. One thing I've noticed as I've gone through my own struggles is that there's a lot more guys who have issues than are willing to say they have issues. And we self-disqualify ourselves because we're always told what PTSD looks like. It's the guy that's, he's this guy's selling all his stuff or this guy's acting different. All of a sudden he's happy when he wasn't or he's like really hitting the bottle hard. And there's all these signs. And when you don't see that, you think that you're okay or someone else is okay, which mm -hmm. is why every time like, unfortunately guys are taking their lives a lot in this community, which sucks. It's always somebody that you're like, I never knew that that guy was going to do that. He seemed mm -hmm. like he had his shit together. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who are self-disqualifying themselves because they're comparing themselves to what they think it should look like, or they're just embarrassed to like say they have an issue, or even more so, they don't want someone else to deal with their stuff, which was that was me. Like, this is my problem. I earned my problem. It's not my family's problem. It's not the doctor's problem. I'm going to own it, and I'm going to live through my life. And that was the wrong answer because I was like, I wasn't right. During what was your problem? Period. Do you mind saying what that was? Yeah. What so, you struggled with? Yeah. So I had uh, an event, and I, I go into the story on it too, in Afghanistan that challenged me morally. Um, I was directly responsible for um, the death of some young children. And like, of all the things I had done overseas and all like that part of things that I'd seen, that one like, that was really rough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I dealt with... Um, like, I dealt with guilt with it. I dealt with, like, I had flashbacks on it and all this stuff. But it's all stuff that I would, like, try to manage on my own. Because I was like, I can still work. I can still be a dad. I can whatever. But in private, like, I would have these, you know, things pop up. And, like, my nose would start to burn. And my lip would quiver. And, like, I'd have to shake this stuff away. And, like, I put it away enough to where maybe once, twice a month, like, in the kitchen after the kids go to bed, I would put on some tunes that I knew were going to take me there. And, like, i just have a breakdown. And I will like yeah like i'm gonna i want to like hate myself and i don't be around anymore and at the same time i want to go back and want to kill everybody like and i would go through those like pretty often and i was just that was just gonna be part of my life that's just who i was at that point i was a guy that did that in private and nobody knew about it and it, it wasn't until a friend of mine who was on the same trip who told me he was retiring for ptsd he was getting medically retired he was like dude like my wife noticed that i wasn't who i used to be and convinced me to talk to somebody and it changed everything and that's where that that's what happened with me and it wasn't until somebody i trusted that i knew that told me that they were feeling what i was feeling because we didn't talk about that stuff right. that i was willing to go get help on it and when i did oh it was rough really rough and this was recent this is like this spring like i, I dealt with this for years and um you know she she made me go into the story close my eyes relive every single detail had to be there and I had to be able to relive it over and over and over again until I could finally get through it. And then we could figure out why it was affecting me the way it was. So um, it's a huge problem in the community. And I think normalizing conversation and saying that it's okay to have those feelings. It doesn't make you less of an operator. It doesn't make you whatever. Like, you know, in the end, we're not robots. We're still humans. And especially if you grew up with a value system or whatever, like you can do things that challenge those, especially overseas, you know, like 360 degree combat, women die, children die, friends die, you know, like it happens. And some of those things can trigger that stuff. So, 
you know, that's kind of like, I guess the overview on where that went. And, you know, I wouldn't say like, you know, is it team never quit? Because I quit. Mm -hmm. I quit for a couple years. I quit on myself, quit on my family. Like I was like subtly quitting for a while until I bounced back. So maybe it's like a delayed never quit. I don't know. You know, so oh, it's kind of like the delayed obedience, man. Yeah. Well, sometimes you get the urge to quit. You feel like you're quitting. Yeah. But there's still something. There's some fire deep down inside. There that, was enough that got you enough to where you went and got help. Yeah. And that's not quitting because no. that's actually restarting and yeah. saying, okay, I am an. I can live with what has happened mm -hmm. and I can live for my family. Yeah. I can live for me and I can give back. And your way of giving back is through your transition and helping the guys make sure that they've got this, you know, supplement, but that's not all you are. No, that's, that's just like, a part yeah. of who you are, but you are giving back and that's not quitting. It's not quitting on yourself. It's not quitting on your family yeah. and you're not quitting on the guy's coming in behind you yeah it's i think it's just it's it's tough because you know you don't get time back it's 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 expendable and it doesn't come back non-renewable source mm -hmm. and when i look back at how i performed from the period from when it happened to when i started getting better like man i was just like like operational guys are like really good at still working when there's issues because that's just ingrained in us so you're like instead of being a functional alcoholic you're like a functional depressant like you can put it on and you can still work good enough mm -hmm. but yeah like i wasn't where i needed to be and um yeah as, as a direct reflection of me applying guilt to the situation and just my own penance that i gave myself was like i don't de i don't deserve success i don't deserve to be good i deserve to be like just mediocre. Like I was going to get out of the army and just dig holes or just like do something mindless and just be a nobody. That's who I wanted to be. Cause that's what I felt like I'd earned mm -hmm. with, with what I'd done. And you know, we can go into the story. I think it's valuable if, if you guys, yeah, we'd love to. Wanna, if you're okay with yeah, telling it. Yeah. If, uh, want to go there, but, um, I think it's valuable again. Like, I don't like talking about it, but I hope if, if one person hears it and says, man, I'm we don't to like to anyone to be uncomfortable, <laughs> no. and that's why like, we try not to yeah. pull it out. But if you're willing to say it and yeah. to talk about it, then... Yeah, I mean, growth, growth doesn't always... come from comfortability. You know, right. it comes from being uncomfortable. It comes from doing things. So, you know, I'm happy to do it. Not, it's just a challenge to myself, but then yeah. also to potentially somebody that could help. Well, so, if you're okay with telling it, let's hear it. Yeah. This was in Afghanistan, uh, kind of southeast area, and we were doing a counter-ISIS operation, which is... Truly the, the best enemy that you could be assigned against because like they don't have borders. They're just true, pure evil. And just everything about fighting those guys feels righteous. Like, like I care less about killing an ISIS fighter. It doesn't matter. Like it's the more, the better, you know, just because of what they are and what they're going to do. And we've seen what they're going to do to women and children and everything. So we're doing a counter ISIS operation and we were living at a, uh, Ron site, you know, a rest overnight site, which was the joke because it was more of a rest over year site. It was like a bombed out building and that's just where we lived our security was the village around us. You know, they were the ones because we were in, we had razors, we had ATVs. That's how we got around. That's, that was the only way to get around. So, you know, our reputation with them was very important. And what we were also, this? this was, it should be 2017, 2018, in and around that time frame. So, um, one of these, one of the days we were looking at clearing territory. It was really like capture the flag. Like they would put a flag up in an area and clear it out. And we would go take it and, take the flag out, try to put people back in there and expand territory. 
And one of the places we were going to go, we were like, all right, we're going to give this back to the populace. It's going to expand our security and we'll kill a bunch of ISIS guys in the meantime. So we had a RON site set up ahead. Um, so we had a couple guys there. We had a sniper team there, a couple security guys and there were commandos. And I was the ground force commander at the time. Uh, the team leader was doing something else. And I remember I felt I was super happy that day. It was a great looking day. We knew we were going to get in great operation. I just gotten promoted like that day. So I was like, this is going to be great, you know, and we get a call right away from the aircraft. Hey, we've got two guys um, messing around up in the hills up over your guys. I was like, okay, cool. Keep an eye on them. We talk to the sniper team. Hey, yep. We got eyes on them. We can see them. We're not sure what they're doing yet. Bird calls back down. Hey, two ADMs again. And that's very important here. ADMs, adult males, for those who haven't heard the lingo. Mm-hmm. All right, good. Fighting age men who are up on the mountains above our guys. This is going to be a great easy kill. And the reason why you're excited about that is like anytime you can do something in daylight just sends a message as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like if, if they know that if they're going to step up or try something, like there's no chance of success. Like you're going to die, which is great for our operation and preparation for taking territory. So everything was still positive. I was still really happy about it. And then we get the call again. Hey, they're digging weapons out of a cache. Like, oh, this is just getting better and better. You know, again, excitement, good, easy operation. Um, now they start moving towards our guys. All right, that's it. That's all I need. Like, you now have adult males. You now have positive identification of guns. And they're now posing a threat to your guy. So we call in through the CCT. We had an AC-130 overhead. And when I made the call, because of the operation we were out to do, we wanted maximum like effect i was like don't just kill these guys like destroy the cash hammer down that way it's less resistance as we push through you know so they did and if you've never seen an ac-130 hammering down on something close it's freaking exciting and it's awesome like the puffs of smoke from the aircraft and just the sounds like everything it's super exhilarating it's it's awesome like it's one of my favorite platforms after the a-10 so um so they hammer down and I get reports from snipers. Hey, yep, these guys are dead. They're slumped over. They're done. Great mission success. Well, not long after that, we get a call and they're saying, hey, the villagers are saying that um, you just killed some kids. I'm like, no, we, the aircraft told us they were adults and they had weapons. Sorry, maybe they're young, you know, because culturally someone might say that, hey, it's a kid, but they might mean like a 17-year-old or 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's still a fighting age person. So, you know, it's just translation issue. So they're like, no, I definitely say they're kids. And the sniper's like, no, man, like, I can't tell from here. But what they did see is they saw people going up. They saw women going up to the bodies to go remove weapons. So they were going and hiding the weapons. So at that point, we're like, okay, shoot. Hey, the villagers, they say they're definitely kids. We want you to pay for the funeral and all this. And it's easy to not care that much sometimes because, you know, we knew they had guns. We knew it was like a, a, easy, like a clean kill. But... Our relationship with the villagers was our security. You know, we didn't have the option to just blow it off and say, yeah, you know, whatever. If it is, it is. Because, like, we don't need one of those guys to turn on us or allow an option for an ambush or whatever later. So we still had a requirement to maintain reputation with the, with the villagers. So, like, all right, I need to get out there. I was about a mile and a half, maybe two two miles away from the Ron site. We get in the razors. We shoot down to those guys. And it's starting to get, like, super chaotic. We have, like, my small handful of guys we have our commandos, we have the villagers, we have the local police, and all those guys are starting to get really heated. And like, it's, it's me, like this is my element at this point to, to take care of it. So I tell the guys, you guys focus on security, pay attention. It's prime opportunity for a green on blue, for like maybe a guy that worked in your unit that said, this is the day, they just killed some of our people, I'm gonna turn on you. Or for even 
you know, again, something to happen while we're distracted. So we're up there, we're trying to defuse this. And they say, we're going to bring the bodies here so you can see that they were kids. I was like, no, you don't need to do that. I don't care. We saw what we saw. Like, this is over. You know, like, no, no, we're bringing them. Here comes the truck. White Hilux is pulling up the uh, dry creek bed to get to where we're at. They walk me over to it. I tell the guys to pull off. Like, you guys, I will handle this. You guys keep a lookout internally and externally. And then we get to the truck. Um, they pull the blankets back. I can see the bodies in there. They pull the blankets back. And they only pulled them back, like, just on behind the neck. And the first thing I noticed was just how young these, these were kids. There wasn't a translation issue. Mm. Um, probably like eight, ten years old. And I had, um, I had boys that age at that time. So immediately those boys' faces became my boys' faces. Like that's what I see. And whenever I go back there, that's the only part that's different from reality is that it's my kids' faces. And I just remember how clean they were. Like they weren't, they were drained of color, obviously, but they weren't like, they just looked like they were sleeping. It was just like the innocence, like everything was there. And it was just like, shocked me and maybe that was five seconds long maybe to me it felt like much longer and everything around it was a blur at that time like everything like everything was mumbled it was just it was just me focused there um and then they pulled the blankets back the rest of the way and that's where like that's where all the carnage was um completely dismembered and just like they had to prove a point of just how dead these kids were so they took they're taking body parts. They're taking like limbs and like holding them up in front of me. Like I remember taking like this kid's like lower leg and his foot and just holding it up right in my face and just like a little kid's foot. And, like, look how dead they are. You killed kids. Look at all this stuff. And just like, it was just like crushing me inside. But like, you don't have an, you don't have the time to deal with that in that situation. You have to, you have to be in reality. You have to take care of the guys. You have to move past the situation. Again, the longer you're there, the worse it's going to get, the better opportunity for something bad to happen while you're distracted. So, you know, as best I could, I reeled myself in and just said, say, hey, look, we didn't kill these kids. ISIS killed these kids. They recruited them. They gave them the weapons. They told them what to do. We facilitated the transfer, but ISIS killed these kids. We're sorry. We're not paying for a funeral. This is what it is. We got to bounce. So, um... We packed up, we got in the, again, a couple of razors and ATVs and we started rolling out. And the, the horrible thing about leaving that area from a tactical standpoint was you had to go through a dry creek bed. So you're slow moving because it's big rocks you're moving through. 30 foot cliffs on both sides. One of them was just rock outcroppings. The other is like house built along cliffs. And so it's like, it's prime time for an ambush. It's like the worst place you would want to be without armor moving through, you know, um, it would be a bad fight. So as we were moving through, I just started getting that feeling like, man, we're about to get hit. And I've had that feeling multiple times through my career. Most of the time it's right. Um, it's a weird thing. I think a lot of guys have felt that before, like something's not right. Um, and I just had this thought that like, if we get hit, I want to get hit first and I feel like I deserve it. Like I had, I had at that point applied it to myself that I had earned like death. Like that's what should happen to me. And... Not in the point to where, like, if there was a fight, I wouldn't have, like, fought back. But, like, I kind of was like, this is going to be my penance. It's going to happen right now, and that's it. I'm not even going to fight. So I'm just going to get hit and be done. Lights out. Um, and it didn't happen. It was quiet as a mouse. 
so we rolled through the rest of the way, got back to the hard little site. Um, I ground my gear, get in my room, which I was sharing with my buddy Matt, and he was in there at the time. And, you know, I went in and I just, I just like grabbed him, just like, just broke down. Um, I was like, man, I just killed these kids, dude. Like, hands down, like, I just killed these kids. And I was happy about it. And like, what the fuck are we doing now? And it's just like all that, all those thoughts, everything I'd seen, everything I'd done, just like all came collapsing down. Um, yeah, and it's just something I couldn't shake. And from that point, I just applied so much guilt to it that it's like those kids, because of what I did, I don't deserve to live a fulfilling life anymore. Like, and there's times when, like, I never, I never thought I was going to hurt myself, but there was definitely times where I was like, if something happened, like, I'd be okay with that because that's what should happen. And I applied that to myself. And I did that for a number of years. Um, I mean, like, like I said, it was this year is when I started getting, it was 2022. And this happened that many years ago. And I just put it in my pocket and I just, just kept dealing with it on my own. And I think the biggest sign that I knew I needed to really process it was driving my kids to school one day. I started going there and normally I'm okay. I can shake it off pretty well, but I, by the time I got it out of my head, I'd probably driven 15 miles completely not in the real world, like driving, but like not really driving. And I was just thinking like, if there had been construction that wasn't there before, if there had been a turn that wasn't, if there, if anything out of the ordinary would happen, I would have just wrecked the car without even knowing about it, possibly like hurt or killed my own kids. So at that point I knew that I could know, like I was no longer handling it by myself. Like I was putting other people at risk and, um, Coincidentally, right around the same time was when I talked to my friend who had, who had gotten help and who was already getting out. And uh, he introduced me to the lady that I started talking to. And, and that was that was the beginning of healing. And it wasn't easy. Like if guys think that they're going to go in and talk to somebody and it's going to be like, oh, you know, I told my story, now I'm good. Like it's going to be painful. Like it's not easy to talk about that shit. It sucks. And you have to relive it over and over and over. And you record yourself and you have to listen to it between sessions. And it wasn't until I could make it through and I could really process it that we could talk about why I was behaving the way I was and why, why I had applied this guilt to myself erroneously. You know, like really, well, I, it didn't need to happen, but I did. And it stuck with me. It became part of who I was. So um, at, at this point, like, I feel like I want to grow. I want to do better. And I can look back and say that I was, for the last couple of years, I was like 70% of who I could have been, you know. The better I did, the worse I felt. Because again, I feel like I was doing a disservice to those kids by, by thriving, you know? So mm-hmm. um, once I was finally able to remove that and turn it into a memory and something that's developed who I am and understood why that was so impactful for me was the point to where I was able to be okay that that happened. Not okay, like not obviously I didn't want it to happen, but um, I can live with it, which is something that I wasn't doing well before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hid this from everybody. Like my wife didn't know about it, my friends didn't know about it. Like nobody knew I was suffering. They just knew that I was just like wasn't performing that well. So, um, I guess that would be would be my message for guys. Like, if something's not right, just talk to somebody. Like, it's easy to make appointments and whatever. The worst that could happen is if you go there and it's just like, yeah, I guess I'm I'm fine. Like she said, I'm fine. It's you know, whatever. The best thing could happen is it could like change your entire life 
moving forward. Right. So like, don't compare yourself to other guys. Don't look and say, well, this guy was in this crazy situation and he seems to be doing fine. Who am I to go get help for this minuscule situation or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, like, don't do that. Like, everyone's different. How do you know that guy's doing okay? Because we don't talk about that stuff. Well, and I feel like everybody, even though all of y'all have your own stories, mm -hmm. there's trauma in war. Yeah. I'm point blank. Everybody's trauma is different, mm -hmm. but y'all have all experienced trauma and it's okay to get help. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're broken. Yeah. It just means, Marcus and I call it's it It's normal upgrade. to get help. It yeah. should be normalized. That's, that's, well, here, there's, like, there's some groups of people down here, you throw a certain one on them, they'll turn it off. Mm -hmm. It's like when you tell us to quit something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, we, we react differently. Yeah. It's like, you got to go in there and tell that guy, I was like, hey, man, we got a new training cycle for you. Yeah. Because you qualified for this one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You put so much heavy weight in and so much heavy lifted in that you qualified for this part of it. Yeah. And there's only one way to do that. Yeah. You got to go through what, what a lot of us have to go through down here. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, yeah. Those bad times, that stuff is, yeah, that unlocks the door for sure. Yeah. You just didn't know which one it was. Yeah. And then when you walk in there and you kind of, when somebody identify, well, you identify it. Yeah. It's tough. It's like it, it's cracking that shell on something that was, if you don't get battle weakened, man, you get battle hardened. Yeah. And you learn from that. And a lot of that times we go through so much. Most people will go through an event mm -hmm. and then they'll have some reflection time. Yeah. Man, we don't have that. No. We stack another event there. We, and then we, we stack another one. We continue. And then, and then just, when you get yeah. a pause time, because here's what I hear is like, guys will be like, man, 30 years ago when I thought about this one, I was like, well, that's because you hadn't started thinking. Yeah. It starts in order. Yeah. From your first one. Like, oh, you, you, it's funny what bothers us. It's like, man, it's one of the first ones I ever did. I don't yeah. even and remember it. And it you might have felt completely indifferent to it at the time. Yeah, different, right? And we're so good at sticking that <laughs> stuff in our pockets and saying, I'm going to deal with it later. Yeah. And then not dealing with it later. Because you, <laughs> and, and what happens is, is we learn how to deal with it over time. But at that moment, in the beginning of time, we didn't know how. Yeah. So it stuck in there. It, it snuck yeah. in there. Yeah. Before we can learn how to, to deal with it. Yeah. And that's why it's always the ones you don't expect. Yeah. And you're like, is that, is that logical? Does that yeah. Make sense? No, it, okay, it, check. it, it and, is, yeah. And, and someone explained it to me and when we were thinking about it. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. Like, we don't have time. Because even when we get back, the training's harder. Yeah, you get back, you're going to like... And it's like, boom. They you're smash gonna, it like... You're going to pretend that you <laughs> yeah. rebuilt your family after a <laughs> deployment right. in two weeks. And then you're going to get right back it. to training. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, they, yeah so it's the op tempo. And I think I think that's why we see such an issue with guys... At the end of their career, five to ten years after they get out, yeah. I'm sure you've gotten the phone call. Hey, did you know what's his name just like killed himself? And it's just like, what? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Like, it happens more than it should yeah. in this community, and I think that's a big part of it. Is like, we don't we don't fully close the book on some of that stuff, and well, you got buddies in, yeah, they stay in, yeah, and even if you try to fix it, if you got one foot in it, you yeah. Your buddy will call you up. Yeah, exactly. And, right. and immediately drop that back in there. Yeah. And we're so in tune with each other that you got to ignore everything else. Yep. So, so yeah, I just, you know, like I said, I, mm -hmm. you know, it's great talking about the work stuff. It's it's super cool. I love that side of it. But more important to me and personally, again, with having friends that I've lost, they've taken their own lives and all this stuff too, is that like, if that's the one thing that happens out of this period, that's the most important thing. If somebody heard it and was like, man, like, I've been doing a little bit of the same thing, or maybe, maybe I'll go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Hands down, worth it. Doesn't matter how hard it is to talk about it, you know. Yeah. So, I appreciate just allowing me to tell the story. Yeah, thank you for telling it. I know it's really hard to just open yourself up and be vulnerable to like 
the thing that hurts you the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will, even if it helps one person that mm-hmm. listens to it, just to know that every single person that has been in war deals with trauma. Yeah. And going back to your personal story, I can't imagine, I mean, I've, I really, I cannot imagine what it's like, um, in your situation, see, being in that moment, seeing that it is kids. But when you when you sit back and think about it, you were given intel that it wasn't. Yeah. The call that you made wasn't an intentional, yeah. I'm going to do this and fuck it no matter what. Yeah. You were given bad intel. Yeah. And, I mean, Marcus dealt with the same thing. He was given yeah. shitty-ass intel, yeah. which ended up getting his entire team killed. So it's, you can't have, I mean, I know you hold on to it because it's natural to hold on to guilt. Like Mm -hmm. you did this, but you didn't. Well, I've always retained that given the same information, I would make the same decision every time. I don't regret the decision I made. Mm -hmm. I would still do it every single time and the outcome would be the same every single time. Right. I just don't like it. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, not, it's not. Oh, yeah. that's the lesson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what happened? I mean, that's the freaking lesson right there. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, we've had to chew a lot of them. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we've. That's we've, how you know it probably wasn't your lesson. Yeah. With Marcus's um, experience in Afghanistan, especially after the movie came out, yeah. there were millions of thousands or whatever of people that would email in and you should have carried carrier uh pigeons or you should have done the, the you like, should have yeah like, all not, these you, you should have things it's that were yeah. not they were so far and you know what's fetched. a good idea though and next time i get in it i'll use it yep. <laughs> or so you come with me yeah you know, I'm like, hey, hey that's a yeah. that's a great job if, yeah. if i ever find myself in this situation Bro, i'll yeah. do this you and know? then they'll be like when they say something like hey look man i i i just did the best i could yeah i, I know you probably would do better yeah. And next time they'll use you. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's probably yeah, that pretty much kind of like, I was like, yeah. you know, we do the best of what we got. Yeah. But. Yeah, now it'd be different for us. Yeah. yeah. If, if you and I are both standing somewhere now and something goes down, yeah. trust me, there's a lot of thought process. It comes fast. Yeah. But now it's completely different because, they, man, some of us had to actually go through all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just sit back and talk about it. I mean, there are a handful of us that actually were, were in there. Yeah. I mean, we had somebody here the other day. He started talking about everything. He, I called everybody I know to make sure this dude was real. Yeah, yeah he he was literally in every conflict since... Every, every one of them. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's nuts. Like there, there's a, there, we do have... There is a guy yeah. and a girl. And when you run into him, it's just, just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, hold on, man. I got to call somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's why we do as a community. Because yeah. everybody knows somebody who's cooler. <laughs> and that's why you disqualify yourself. Cooler like, or has also been through yeah. equal trauma. Yeah. Like and... so you, you you compare yourself to what somebody else has done mm-hmm. and automatically you're like, Well that guy did something that was way harder than what I did, or that guy did something that was way boner. So like if I'm complaining or if I'm having issues, that's just weakness, you know. Yeah. And that's what we do to ourselves, you know, is like don't <laughs> Which isn't <laughs> don't. fair. Yeah. That's not fair at all because yeah. even the toughest among them. I think the toughest is sitting right here um, <laughs> as his wife. Everybody has breakdown moments. Yeah. Everybody has pain. Yeah. And you, ha- everybody has to have a path of healing. Oh, that's the funniest part. It's like people are like, hey, look at me and you. Like, man, I see you guys going through that. Y'all don't break down. I'm like, nope. <laughs> but I stubbed my damn toe the other day. I mean, you can't believe what gets to us. Yeah. 
Oh, I can't. Like, like what gets to guys like us. Yeah. It's dude, not the stuff that gets to everybody else. They, I'll watch, they, I'll watch Disney switched. movies sometimes, and I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not crying, you're crying. So poetic. Like, <laughs> it moved me. Yeah, it's like. It's, it's like funny now. what gets to us. Yeah. And, and it gets over, it's nothing that gets overlooked, man, but yeah, we got them. Yeah. For like, sure. What gets to us in that as opposed to what doesn't. It's like, yeah, funny. I'm with that. Like, There's your book right there, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know you get worked up about this. It's a phobia and a fury. I don't have that, but check out what does. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to laugh, so it's like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it is. It's a thing. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that's super hard. Yeah, thanks for allowing the opportunity to. Hopefully, um, someone listening will, it might change their life, and they'll be here tomorrow. Oh, will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for her mouth to happen. It's such an honor. You know, I love it. Okay, so, talk, so for our listeners, uh, they just go to yeah, please www. Yeah, so go to yeah to hvmn.com. Uh-huh. Um, there's a couple options. There's you can buy them in the shots, which they're super convenient to travel with. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more diluted with the same amount of ketones, so some people think they taste a little bit better. Uh, or you've got the bigger bottles, which is like your fridge bottle. You know, you'll just yeah. So you know, our guys will, will take the biggest bottle they got, and yeah. take the whole thing at one time. <laughs> you know how we do Don't it. Do oh that. man, yeah. If you do. They'll, I wouldn't say there's find a, out different ways there's a to downside, that. but you're gonna you're gonna be freaking feeling pretty good. Like you're gonna be jamming. <laughs> but, uh, just that, saying, you yeah. know our guys, man. Oh, they yeah. will freaking find a way to get that in there. Yeah, if Marcus exactly. does that. I promise to video. Yeah. And oh yeah. Show you what he's doing. Well, I get yeah. some weird shit. <laughs> oh man. It. I remember I'm a Delta. So it's <laughs> just a shot. So yeah. So there's the shots, which is the small bottles, which uh-huh. is one serving which is 10 ketones in about 45 milliliters of fluid. Mm-hmm. And then there's the big bottles, which is 10 servings in one bottle. So cost-effective wise and packaging wise, it's cheaper to get the big ones, just not as convenient. They've got like three packs, one pack, subscriptions to save money. All right, so just for the record, all that. what happens if you jam, if you do take a lot of that? You just feel great for longer. I mean, it's... Don't don't say it like that. <laughs> well, I know. I, these guys are... He knows what I'm, exactly yeah. what oh, yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, pee for plenty. If some work good, more work better. Now I get it. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. I have to bring that up, man. Yeah, P for plenty exists. You think you have, you got a motor? Some of our dudes oh, have yeah. got a freaking yeah. motor. I'll say when I'm, uh, like if I'm doing, um, like they have the endurance exchange and running event, and they've got these things that they do. Uh, I've been in Austin for at the convention center. And when I do that, like I take shots with people like all day long. Right. And I'm freaking like. Because our guys will camelback that stuff. Oh, dude. Coffee. Put it yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. The only issue, if you if you drank too much, maybe you might have a gastro issue. That's what I like, thought. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, okay, you know, if I had to pick one thing that could happen. But other than that, like you're not going to OD on it. You're not going to get it. You'll piss it out. You're not going to feel too good. Like you'll just be fueling on it longer. Or, We're going to try. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm tell, you, know, I'm just, yeah. you know our guys, man. They'll yeah. be like, and it, is, and it is body semi body weight dependent. Like I'm, I'm a lighter guy. Like I weigh like 150 pounds. So for me, one shot does pretty well. Yeah. If I'm gonna work out or do something hard, I'll take two. But for like bigger guys, you know, especially like normal operator size, not me. I'm a small operator. Um, I would take like two or three of these things before you're about to like really jam. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I hope it does well, yeah, and yeah. congratulations to the next part of your career. Thanks, guys. I yeah, really, really transition. appreciate it. Yeah, your transition. That's awesome. Yeah, super cool. All right, thank you.